0: Yeah, the kids all ran out. My wife ran out. I think my daughter ran out too. <laughs> I'm used to it. <laughs> I used to get run out. I going to show you a quick video here in just a second. I just kind of wanted to introduce it first, because um, just to let you know, I, I used to work for IMS, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. I worked there for about five years, and I am a race fan, and uh, Spent a lot of time out there and met some of the drivers, hung out with them. As a matter of fact, I'll tell you about a few of them today that I've I've talked to. But you're going to watch a video clip, and I apologize. I didn't get to, I I went through it, but I didn't want to take anything out of it because it's so good. I don't know if any of you know Darrell Waltrip from NASCAR. Um, He gave a great testimony, and I want you to watch that here. It's about five minutes long, and then I'm going to jump up and point out the points that he had in there and discuss uh, some of those things with you. So if we could have that video real quick, and then we'll, then I'll, I'll come back up.
1: There's probably not a lot of guys that need the Lord any worse than a race car driver does. The car is like a beast, it wants to go one way and you're trying to wheel it around a a high bank turn. Talking about a 3,500 pound stock car going around a racetrack at over 200 miles an hour. I mean it gets tight, it gets intense. As long as everybody minds their manners, it all works. I mean, you can have 43 cars in a lot Ah. going around a racetrack inches apart. You're touching the other guy and he's touching you. Somebody's bumping you in the back end, slamming into your door. And you say, whoa, 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 don't do that. That's what happened to me in 1983. I was coming off the fourth turn in Daytona in a tight pack, and uh, I got nerfed. I got hit from behind. Car spun, went into the inside wall, wham. You always talk about timing when you're an athlete and being in the right place at the right time, on the right team. And all those things came together for me in 1981. 81 and 82 in NASCAR, those two years back to back, I won 24 races uh, and two championships. I don't think anybody's had two years uh, with that kind of success um, ever. was on the top of my game. We were unbeatable. Uh, We'd roll into town and we'd check in a hotel and they'd say, oh, are you here for the show? And I'd say, no ma'am, I am the show. Athletes in general are selfish. It's part of the culture. People call it cocky, uh, arrogance, uh, all those those adjectives that describe a, a, a successful athlete. But you have to be that way to stay on top. At least, at least in that moment, That's what you think. Richard Petty used to say about me, he said, that boy might win a lot of races and he may make a lot of money, but he'll never be NASCAR's most popular driver. And I I totally agreed at the time. Fans hated me. They booed me. People wore shirts that said anybody but Waltrip. They threw beer cans and chicken bones at me. I'd say, yeah, bring it on, you know, it's not bothering me, but it bothered me a lot because I didn't want people to feel that way about me and I felt like they didn't know me that well. It was that time in my life uh, when I met a, a minister, Dr. Cortez Cooper. He's questioning my faith. He's asking me, you know, do you do you believe that Jesus Christ, your Lord and your Savior? And I said, I said, well, I just don't know if I'm ready for that or not. I'd always told my wife uh, that you can't. You can't get hurt in one of these People things. Do something they're stupid. They're not as smart as I am. They're not as good at driver as I Coming am. Coming off turn four. And I got nerfed, spun back, went into the inside wall. Bam! And it knocked me out. You always talk about timing when you're an athlete. Dr. Cooper, the accident, uh, the success I'd had in the prior two years, uh, things just started kind of snowballing in my mind. I said, you know, I've had all this success. I've done all these things i'm I'm on the top of my game, but you know what I, I I could I could have been I could have been dead. I raced at Richmond. I had no recollection of being there. I raced at Rockingham the next week had no recollection of being there. I said, "Honey, where have I been for the last couple of weeks? It wasn't until the third week after the wreck at Daytona. Uh, that I finally woke up when I finally came to and I realized what had happened to me. It scared the hell out of me. I started searching for the Lord on a July night, hot, no air conditioning, sweating, crying in the hallway, and on my knees. Doctor Cooper, Stevie, and I, and uh, he prayed that uh, that the Lord would come into my life, and and he did. And uh, 1983 was an incredible year. Wasn't so great on the racetrack, but personally, uh, in my relationships with my wife and with everybody else, uh, my life took a huge turn. And that's something I learned, if you don't own success, you wouldn't have success if it wasn't for Jesus Christ. He owns success. The difference in Him and you is He wants to share it. You want to keep it. You want to keep it for yourself. It's all about me, what I can do, what I've done. With Jesus, it's all about what He has done. You can do all things through Him. Not with Him, not when you get finished, maybe recognize Him. You can do all things through Him. You know what my reward was? It wasn't another championship. It was finally that people said, we like D.W. He's a great guy. He's had a great career and I was voted most popular driver in 1989 and 1990. In my mind and in my life, uh, it, was a, it was almost like a, a reward for all those things that i left behind and where I was headed. When you learn to put him first in everything you do and give him the glory and uh, the praise, your life's gonna be a whole lot better off. I'm Darrell Waltrip and I am second.
0: So you heard him say a lot of things in there, and I've I've had a lot of challenge with this in my life, and um, working through things. He makes some great points about being first. The first thing he said was, you know, he was like, you're cocky, you're selfish, um, there's no room for Christ. And it's not until that turnaround comes that you can actually start to see things happen in your life, and you begin to reevaluate life. Um, I love some of the things he says, the lessons that he learned in there, he says, you don't own success. And sometimes we think we do. We think the more that we do, the more we become successful, the better we are. Um, sometimes we also almost get godlike in our minds. And uh, to be honest with you, I remember watching way back that Daryl Walter was kind of like that. He thought he was a god. And then eventually he kind of came around. And he makes the other statements about how Success is owned by God, and through his son, Jesus Christ, um, that's where real success can come in your life. And it's not about you. It's all about him. And only when we start seeking him will true success come, and then we become second. I chose a race car driver for this video. There were so many of them out there, and I encourage you to go to to YouTube and look at some of the others. There's a great one by a magician that's on there that talks about some things in his life. Um, They really bring some things around to you. But I, I chose him because... Uh, th- that there's no worse position in the world for a race car driver than second. You're just the first loser <laughs> in their mind. I mean, th- there's no, if you talk to any race car driver out there and, and, and you're, you're, you, you get a chance to ask them about coming in second, they're just going to tell you they're the first loser. They don't like it. I got to hang, like I said, I got to hang out with quite a few of them. I actually have raced Daryl, or uh, raced um, Kevin Harvick. I got to racing one day. I was out on my go my golf cart, called a go kart, golf cart when I worked there, and I was trucking down the uh, the long stretch through the middle of the track at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, hauling some stuff to my uh, program sellers. I look over this golf cart pulls up next to me. It's Kevin Harvick in his driver's suit. He looks at me and he guns it a little bit, lets off, guns a little bit, lets off. I'm smiling. I was like, seriously, dude. And he folds up a little bit further, and he smiles at me a little and he guns us off. So I was like, all right, we'll play this game. My little 20-mile-an-hour golf cart here, we'll, we'll, we'll take this challenge. I hit it. I go up, and he's laughing. He pulls up beside me and pulls a little forward, pulls back, pulls a little forward. And then he goes, eh, and then hits it and just takes off down the road on me. Um, they're, 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 that's what they're all about. They love the challenge. Even right then, he was like, I want to play around and race in the middle of the track on a, on a, on a golf cart. And I was no challenge for him. And, um, trust me, I started trying to figure out ways how I could challenge these guys, too. We figured a couple out. We actually got it going pretty fast there at one point. But um, Yeah, that's that's their mind. That's their mindset. You don't come in second because you're just the first loser. Um, and some of the other things they might get a little money for, but most of them don't. They just, they just finish second. That's all you're known for. So they don't, they don't like that. You've got to be number one. Um, and that's, that's what makes them happy, is that getting out there and being the popularity. But pretty soon it starts to wear on them too, just like anybody else. Success isn't everything. It's not. If there's something missing in your life and that something that's missing is Jesus Christ, it's, it's going to be tough on you. Um, Daryl learned that the hard way. It took an accident and several other things for it to come up. There's another race car driver that... that I actually got to hang out with her for about 10 minutes one day. Uh, many of you might know her. She's in NASCAR now. Just by me saying she and her, you should know who it is if you're a NASCAR fan. Danica Patrick. Um, she was When she first arrived at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, she was one of the friendliest people you'd ever know. She would jump off her cart, sign autographs, say hi to people, get back on. But it got to, her success got so big that she was surrounded all the time that she just got to the point she couldn't take it anymore. Um, she would hide, this is the truth, I, I watched it because I was there late every night in the garage area, um, packing stuff up. She actually hid in her garage until the crowds were all gone. And then she would walk out alone, across the thing, out to her camper. But she actually would hide, her uh, boss, Michael Andretti, would like, say she's not in there, or you know make excuses for her, or whatever. But she was always there, she just stayed in that, that little garage area, back in a corner... And so everybody was gone because she just couldn't take the popularity anymore. It it got crazy for her. One day she happened to come out, and I was standing there, and I had a picture of her where she won her first race, and she waved me over. She's like, and I I came over, and she signed it for me. She goes, walk with me. And so I started walking with her, and she was signing it. All of a sudden there was some group that apparently had figured this out and was hiding, waiting for her. And as she came out, they just jumped all over her. I got pushed back. I'm standing about five feet behind all of them, just watching this mess go on in front of me. And I'm just like, this is crazy. And uh, pretty soon, all I can hear is this little voice in the middle of the crowd going, Get away from me. Get off of me. I can't stand this anymore. If you people ever do this to me again, I'm not signing another thing. You won't see me. I mean, she was just going off on them. Finally, she goes, I was walking with somebody. Where are they? And I'm like, I'm back here. And she turned around and she goes, come with me. And I walked up there and she goes, can you get me out of here, please? I was like, sure. So I walked with her and I got her to the gate and got her out to where her camper area is. And she said, thank you. And she went on through there. So popularity isn't everything. It was destroying her uh, at the time. She just couldn't take it anymore. Um, It's much better now. She's in NASCAR. She's kind of separated from some of that stuff. But you could just see those things going on in, in their lives. So here's the question is, how do we put ourselves in second place in order to have a victory? Um, And this is where I want to go through some of the things that Daryl said and and examine some things. And so we have some points in our lives where we can start saying, you know what? I'm not first. I'm not first. I'm second. And we can start having some of God's success in our lives instead of trying to have some of the world's success. Um, First slide there. Reexamine your humility or maybe call it your attitude. That's the first step that we've got to take. And then humility is one of the hardest things, I think, to keep in check. It has to be, because the world tells us something completely different, doesn't it? The world's constantly telling us that you've got to be good. You've got to be great. You have to be number one. As a matter of fact, many ads are going to show that. And I think there's no better system in the world than our political system that shows us that you need to be number one. You have to win, because winning's everything. I mean, we're looking at the... The the chaos that's going on now out there because one candidate didn't win, and because another candidate did, um, it's it's just crazy. Commercials sell their products based on status and pride. I mean, have, think about it. how many commercials do you watch a day where it's like, if you don't have this, you know, you're not going to make it here, or you got to do this, or you got to do that, or, I mean, every one of them is trying to sell to your pride, or your status, try to make you look better. We've placed ranking systems on everything. There's a ranking system on everything anymore. You know, if you're not at this level, you've got to be at this level, you've got to be at that level. Um, I don't know what level I'm on anymore. <laughs> There's so many levels. I've gone through so many levels in life. In my job, I have to be at this level. At this area, I've got to be at this level. As a parent, I've got to be at this level. And somewhere in the middle, I don't even know what levels are anymore. Most of the time, I just feel like I'm on an edge going this way. Um, just because of everything that, that they put on there. But Daryl Walter, he, he kind of summed it up for us, and he's talked about humility and success. You know, he was going through the humility that, that he, he had to gain, and that's when true success comes. And Scripture says a lot on humility and success. Uh, success. And there's our verse, verse up there says, Before a downfall, the heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. And if we go back and we look at what Daryl was saying, what was he saying there at the end? He was saying, I didn't really have true success until I humbled myself. I never won another championship, but people liked me. People liked me. And that was kind of in a, you know, all he wanted to do was just be loved. (laughs) Be respected a little bit. Um, all the championships, you know, I'm sure he's proud of them and it's not bad that he won them, but the most important thing to him was that people like, like him. Now he's an announcer and uh, with NASCAR, one of the more popular people that they talk to. So when we think about that, it's, it's, it's humility has to come before there's any honor in life, anyway. If we don't humble ourselves, we can be as successful as we want, but you know, a lot of times the most successful people are not very respected people. There's no honor in their lives sometimes. So he pointed it out that we need to, in order to have honor, is have humility first. Um, he wanted to be prideful, but fans and he wanted, you know, fans to love him, but it wasn't working for him. Um, our next verse. Pride brings a person low, but the lowly in spirit gain honor. So when we're all about seeking that pride in our lives where we want to be very prideful and proud of everything and, and, and on top and show how just great we are, it kind of works against us. And even Paul mentions that in Scripture. Where he talks about all the things that he had been, but it didn't matter anymore. He compared it to garbage, actually, in the end. The most important thing was to be in a relationship with Christ. Walter figured that out, that, it, that all his pride and everything before him It it wasn't working. It wasn't until he became lowly in spirit and started seeking the Lord and finding God that he actually started to find the things that really worked in his life that made him a better person. Our next verse. When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. And Walter mentioned at one time he was talking to his wife. He said, you know... I'm not going to wreck. I'm faster than them. I'm smarter than them. I'm a better driver than they are. How many of us say that sometimes in our lives when we're out there doing whatever it is we do? We get all caught up in things, oh, I'm smarter than that. I'm not going to do it that way. Or I, I can do this better because I'm a little bit brighter than they are. Um, I work at Walmart. It comes up all the time. <laughs> Mostly people saying about me, I'll do it with a different one. he's doing it because he's not very smart. Um, you know, But we all think it. I make jokes every once in a while sometimes about the same thing when I'm there. It's like, oh, we can do this better because the people that gave us the direction aren't very bright. <laughs> At least it seems like it sometimes. Maybe it's just me. Maybe. And it turns out sometimes I'm not the very bright one. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever experienced that. It's like, oh, I can do this better. And the next thing you know, you're trying to explain to yourself of why you really messed it up. <laughs> yeah, it happens. You know, Waltrop was like that. He's like, I'm better than they are. But here we see pride, before pride comes, then comes disgrace. And it's often what happens is when we get to that point where we're thinking about where it's like, oh, I'm so much better than that person. I'm smarter than that person. I can do this so much easier and find better solutions and better ways that, in the end, sometimes we find ourselves just being disgraced. Whether it's like, maybe we were right. Maybe we did do it better. But a lot of times people don't like us very much for the way we brought it about. And maybe the way we brought about that change. And so we're challenged by that sometimes, that, that we think we're smarter, we're brighter. Um, but Walter got wise. He got wise, and that's the second part of our verse. Once humility came, wisdom came with him too. He realized he needed the Lord in his life. I like what he said at the beginning. He says, there's no person that needs the Lord more than a race car driver. <sighs> You know, and, 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 you know, he's kind of joking there, but I think everybody realizes that at some point, I can say there's no person who needs the Lord more than I do sometimes. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, we all get to find ourselves in a complete mess, you know, and we need the Lord, but he brings that about, and he says that, he says uh, there's no better person than a race car driver to need the Lord. It wasn't until he got that humility, and he brought himself down to being a real person, and he started seeking God that He he saw this. And it was after his downfall and acceptance of his humility and fearing the Lord that he started to gain really everything. It doesn't seem like much. It doesn't seem like much when you're talking about trophies and championships and everything else. And he, he, he said, I, I didn't win another trophy. I didn't win another championship, but I gained respect. I, I think one of the biggest things that we can have out there is to have respect for ourselves for the way we present ourselves, before the way we live and the way that we do things. And I think that's all he wanted to do was be respected in that way. He was just going about where his respect was coming from in the wrong way. He needed to be respected as a person that believed in God and believed in himself and believed that God was there and that he could go out and be a better person to human beings than what he was being as a race car driver. Um, so we find that... that He just started to change. And I think that's when happiness started to come to Daryl Walter's life. That's when it really started to come, was when he started to realize that the Lord was in his life and he had a whole lot more going for him. Let's have our next verse. Humility is the fear of the Lord. Its wages are riches and honor and life. Um, You can't really have humility without seeing who God is. And that's when Walter, he, he brought out the whole points of where success really comes from. How many of us think we own our success? Oh, come on, nobody? This is because you saw the video, right? I think, it, but at all one, I think at one point we probably did, though, right? How many used to think they own their own success? Okay, that's a little better, three of you. For you perfect people... <laughs> Yeah, we 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 don't own our own success, and sometimes we get that in our head, we do, because we try to strive, we try to do the best we can at, at whatever it is, in order to be on top, to be popular. People are going to love us if we're just right here, if we're above everybody else. And when we try to go that way, it just doesn't really work for us. It's not until we realize the, the next part of, of his points is, and go ahead, yeah, Realize that success comes from God. Success comes from God. Now, Hezekiah is kind of an interesting character. I was kind of exploring this a little bit when I was thinking about this whole idea of realizing success comes from God. That verse there, here's what it says. It says, Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. He held fast to the Lord and did not stop following him. He kept the commands the Lord had given uh, Moses. And the Lord was with him. He was successful in whatever he undertook. He rebelled against the king of Assyria and did not serve him. From watchtower to fortified city, he defeated the Philistines as far as Gaza and its territory. Now, here's the interesting part. He didn't always kind of lean on God. He didn't lean on God. As a matter of fact, he was kind of predicted to die because he wasn't paying attention to what God was saying. It wasn't until he realized where his true success was and where it came from and it changed around that it says success went with him and whatever he took. Because why? The Lord was with him. It wasn't that Hezekiah went up and just sat down on the throne and started demanding things and making things and doing the kingly thing and appointed, forcing people to do whatever it is and everything else that brought his success. It was God who gave him the success and everything. And that's what scripture tells us here. It was that God gave him the power to do whatever it is um, that he needed to do and gave him success in whatever he undertook. It wasn't what he was doing. It was whatever God was doing in his life that made him successful. I think if every one of us really thought about it, every time that we went out and we tried something on our own, um, there may have been a little bit of success in it as far as the world sees it, but what was the underlying thing for most of us? It wasn't so great, was it? Probably half the time we were tired from working so hard to try and get to that point of success. Our relationships with other people probably went from here down to here. Um, our happiness level was probably way down in here because you were too tired to be happy anymore. You were, wore, you were worn out. You were burned out. I I've just came off of a miserable week at work, and it wasn't that I was trying for success. I was just trying to survive. Uh, we came back from uh, vacation. Terry's brother got married out in Vegas, so we were back right there. We flew in. Um, Jen probably told you some of the story. We flew in. We got in about 11.15. Ryan, in all his funniness, goes... You just want me to drop you off at Walmart? Because I had to be at work in three hours. I had to be at work at four in the morning. Because you want me to just drop you off at Walmart? Yes, yeah, keep driving, Brian. Keep driving. We get home. I get to bed. Lay my head down. The alarm clock goes off. I go into work to get to work to find out that they cut everybody's hours, except apparently mine. <laughs> So I'm like rearranging everybody's schedule, I'm doing things on three hours sleep, running through the day, and don't get out of there for like 10 hours or more that day. Go in the next day to work, went in at four in the morning, I left there at eight o'clock that night. Went back Saturday morning, went in at four, left at four o'clock the afternoon. <laughs> said, okay, I have to run in Sunday morning before church. I'm going to spend a few hours in there. I'll I'll just meet you over at at Jennifer and Brian's house where where we have church. I said, I'll I'll probably have to meet you over there. That got all messed up because the text didn't go well (laughs) and where I was and on my way there. Um, Spent another five hours there on Sunday. Monday, another 12-hour shift. I was tired. All my management team was like, like, man, he's doing great. He's got this. We don't even have to... I was talking about this with Terry this morning. It's like, we don't even have to have an assistant manager over there. We know Mark's running it. We're not going to have to concentrate on the rest of the store. Let's just leave it to him because he's being successful. No, I was being tired. <laughs> I was just trying to survive so that, that we all made it. Um, that's what happens when we start to go for success ourselves. Even though it's not what I was going for that week, it's just that's the example I'm giving you is, that you just burn out. And once you get to that point of where everybody's like, oh, he's so successful, you're going, no, I'm just miserable. <laughs> I'm tired. I'm worn out. I need something different. I need a rest. As a matter of fact, I was joking with my assistant manager the next day. He goes, hey, we just worked through 32 hours this weekend. How you feeling? I said, like another vacation? Can we talk? <laughs> and he just laughed at me. He goes, no. and went back to his job. Yeah, that's, that's what happens when we seek out success on our own. We burn ourselves out. And if we go with God and we work with God and be successful in the things that he wants us to be because he'll bring about that success, it's a whole lot easier, isn't it? We feel less tired. We're good. We're ready to go. The next verse is something that Daryl Walter quoted. I can do all, do all this through him who gives me strength. And that's where we have to go back to. That's why we don't feel burned out when we go with success what God gives us because God's doing the work through us They're, that's where it goes and that's how, it's gonna, that's how we handle it and we feel a whole lot better so then, our next point that we, I want to make is one of the last points here is um, um, let's go to the next slide I'm going to skip through this here uh, remain humble remain humble I think my slides got out of order there I, actually, I wanted I had, Jen worked on them last night. I'm blaming it on her. <laughs> um, we want to reap the rewards first. We want to reap the rewards. And that's what Walter was talking about. Sit back and enjoy the rewards. Let me scoop through these real quick and just share them with you. First of all, let's talk about Joseph for a minute. Joseph, sold into slavery, ends up down in Egypt, gets pulled before Pharaoh, And he makes a statement that only a man of God can make. When Pharaoh looks at him and he says, I need you to interpret this dream because I hear you can interpret dreams. Does anybody remember what Joseph said? I like to ask questions. Anybody remember? He says, I can't do it. But there is a God. There is a God who can do it. And then he goes to explain what the dream means. There's humility for you. He had the perfect opportunity to go, whoa, Pharaoh, let me tell you what your dream means. Let me explain this all to you, because I've got the knowledge. uh uh-uh, he says, I can't do it. But there is a God, and this is what he says your dream means. And then he has what? Great success, doesn't he? He got the rewards. He got to sit back, and he got to run the, the country. He was second only to Pharaoh, but God was first. God was first, and he, was, and he became second. Um, Daniel, another great person to show humility, to King Darius, when Darius offers him some rewards, if he would tell what certain things meant to him, he looked at Darius and he says, he says um, keep your rewards, give them to somebody else, I don't need them. Because God's in control, and here's what God says. Also came out of that feeling pretty successful, didn't he? Ended up being put on uh, Pharaoh's staff, ended up being all right, um, learned about some things. And then um, we start to see that the rewards start to slip in. I do believe that Joseph went from that prison thing to some happiness in his life started to get his brothers back, started to work with his family. Daniel, a little bit of happiness in his life again. He starts to go back. As a matter of fact, he got so close to King Darius that he issues a decree that they can start to go home again. Everything started to work out. Now those verses that we had up there. Um, let's go back to those verses, the first couple that you had there. First um, Corinthians 9.24. Do you know that in a race all runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. So it's not telling us not to compete. It's not telling us not to compete. It's telling us that we have to run in such a way that we're able to get the prize and then we can work off that success um, from God and to reap the reward. We want to work in a way that we get the prize, be successful in the way that God wants us to do, and then end up um, winning the prize, maybe not the race. You know, you can totally lose a race and still win doesn't make sense, does it? In worldly standard. I loved it when the guy told the story about not wanting to cross the finish line necessarily first. He just wanted to cross it with as many people as he could and bring them with him. I remember in the military it stood out no plainer to me this. I used to hate this. We had to go run the mile and a half run. We had to run it in a certain amount of time. And I had a flight chief one time that uh, he was miserable. <laughs> He's like, we're all gonna run it together. I was like, this is not gonna work out well. So we get into a formation and he makes us run and he's out running along the side of us, and we get, we're going, we're going, we're doing really well, and then we get to the end. He's not there. Where is this guy? And we look way back and he's down the road just trying to to make it. We get to the finish line, we're coming up to it, and we're looking at the clock. And this actually took away everything I thought about the whole thing because we looked at one another and we're like, rats. In a formation, we turned around. We went back and we picked him up and we brought him to the finish line. We still made it in time, but we had to go back. We had to push him a little bit. But that was... A success to me. It wasn't about how fast we crossed it as a formation or how quickly we wanted to get it done. It was the fact that we went back for him and we brought him across the finish line with us. That was a prize for me. It wasn't that we completed it in time. It was just that we did it as a group and we felt more closer to each other than we, we, we should have. And When you're in the military and you're running with a group and it's a group of people that you may one day have to fight with, that's what you want. We were, we were united. So it's not necessarily finishing on time or finishing first. It's receiving whatever the prize that God wanted you to get out of that in the first place, whatever that success story was going to be. James nine says, Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position. So it's not about losing. It's about winning in the loss. Take pride in whatever it is that you can gain out of it. Don't worry about falling behind and losing. And then the last thing that I want to point out here is always remain humble. That was what Waltrip was talking about, remaining humble. Remember, blessings are from God, so don't go getting a big head about it. What verse do we have for that? Uh, That one. Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. So don't go getting a big head. Because you're just going to fall right down on your face. I say that from experience. There were times when I thought, oh, this is going so well, this is going so well, and pretty soon I'm going to find myself face down in the mud going, yeah, it didn't go so well. We might have succeeded here, but we certainly failed in this area. Um, so don't go getting a big head. And Jesus shows us the example, and that's the verse you just had up there. And we can go ahead and put that one back. As he taught, Jesus said, Watch out for the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and be greeted with respect in marketplaces and have the most important seats in synagogues and places of honor and banquets. They devour widows, houses, and for the show, make lengthy prayers. These men will be punished most severely. Those are very, very proud men that he described. People of pride that were going around doing it all for the wrong things. They weren't serving God. They were serving themselves. And when it all was over with, Jesus said, they'll be punished most severely. And probably many of us can say, yeah, I've gotten up on that pride wagon once or twice, and yeah, I remember the punishment that came along with it, and I don't want to get back on that wagon again. Um, because it may not be you know, a major thing to everybody else, but a little dose of humility can go a long way in front of some people. And you just don't want to be seen like that again. And Jesus was pointing that out. Their concern was their public appearance and being number one. Um, They lost everything. And what we can see, they weren't even looking at the finish line when it comes to a spiritual race. Nicodemus, I think, was the only one. There was two. There was another one in Acts. but Nicodemus is one of the ones that stood out to me as we see A person that was a Pharisee that did all the things that they said, but ended up humbling himself because what did he do? He went to Jesus, and he got the answers. And we see Nicodemus later when he's mentioned again at the burial of Christ, when he goes and begs for the body of Christ, and along with Joseph of Arimathea, takes that body back, and together they bury Jesus. I think at that moment in time in the night when he was talking to Jesus, Nicodemus went from number one to number two. He put in his mind, I am now second. And we see him later burying the Lord's body. By no means take what I've said today and mean that we can't be competitive and have fun and do things. You know, it's good to root for a team. Um, I love a challenge. And I think scripture speaks on being competitive quite often. But remember, it's not all about the winning or being on top. You can root for teams. You can root for people. Like I said, I love racing. I like to watch it, and I like to root for certain people. My driver retired, so I'm on the, the bubble now of who I root for. But I, I'm challenged in it. I, I like to see certain people win, and certain people I love to see lose. And if you're in Indianapolis in football, you love the Colts and anybody that plays the Patriots. That's just the way it is. Um, it's kind of that way in NASCAR. You like your driver and you don't like a bush just, 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 You just have to go with that. But it's not all about that winning. it's you all can, you can root for those people. you can root for your teams. It's just remember that when we stand spiritually, we want to not be number one. We want to be number two. God's first. And if we're following God, all the successes are going to come in our lives and we're going to get to that point to where we're behind God, we're following him and we're going to do the things we want and we're going to see great things in our lives. And that's what Daryl tried to tell us in the video. Um, We don't want to be out front because when you get out front, it's kind of like our flight chief. He was, I'm going to be honest, he was doing it for a pride thing. He was trying to show other flight chiefs just how good he was and the only way he's ended up being looking good was his team went back and got him and brought him across the finish line um, it's not about looking good it's about respecting god when we go out and we run out front and we try to stay out front for getting all the glory then god gets lost in our glory not we get lost in god's glory and so that's where we got to make that balance we're trying to be lost in god's glory not lose god in our glory Daryl Waltrip, just, he, he, he ended a, he, he's in another video with another bunch of race car drivers where they're doing the same thing. They're all sitting and talking about this whole thing, going back and forth. And they let him end it on that little white chair. And I love the way he ended that one better than he did this one because he gets up from the chair and he leans forward and he goes, I'm Daryl Waltrip, and in this race, I am second. And he gets up. And I think that's where we need to go. In most races in our life, we need to be second put God first. Put God first and see what happens. So That's my challenge to you today. If you're struggling with that a little bit or you know that maybe God's not first, put him first. See what happens. See if your life doesn't change dramatically. I guarantee you it will. Everybody needs to do it. I need to do it. You need to do it. We all, we all just need to do it because when we do this, and we're going to start to see things in our lives get a whole lot better. Not saying it'll be perfect yet, but it's a whole lot better. You'll see less struggles because you're not fighting with God anymore. Instead, you're following Him because you're in second, He's in first. And you'll end up being a winner. So just take that today and, and work with that. Thanks.